Less Than Five Miles From Home by Kristen Enos. My mother and I were heading north out of Marathon, Florida, in the middle of the night, everything we owned in the back of the car. I was 13 and she was driving. We were coming off an overseas bridge when we heard a scream from the opposite side of the street. I glanced left for a second. A woman, long black hair, white tank top. She might have had her hands to her mouth, or I might have made that up afterward. Before looking back at the road, just in time to see whatever it was we were about to run over. A crumple of fabric, the size of a throw pillow, glowing white in the headlights. We hit the thing fast, sailed over it clear, the wheels bouncing twice and continuing on. By the time my mother could slow down and pull over, we were 50 yards up the road. My mother could find a million reasons to leave a place. She'd been fired from her job in Jackson after 13 months, fought with our landlord in Mobile after six, and been dumped by her live-in boyfriend in Jacksonville after just two. Two hours before the hit, she'd opened the door of the double wide that had been our month-long home, sighed, and announced that hurricane season started the next day, and she didn't want to be around to see it. Soon, we were eating dinner off paper plates on the rug in front of the TV and flipping through tour books from AAA to decide where we'd go next. I wanted to go north, to New York or Boston, where we could see snow if we waited long enough, even though I knew we never would. My mother wanted to stay in the south, where she could have a year-round tan. We only paused our back and forth when the news ran an update on a story we'd been following, the one about a teenage runaway who'd fled from a pious, oppressive home months before. My mother and I had been cheering on the girls' escape for weeks. The update said that they had no update, that there was still no sign of the girl. We turned back to the guidebook. My mother said Macon, and that was it. I didn't plan on being in Macon more than a week and a half, but that was fine by me. Every time my mother told me to get in the car, I was always ready to go. This was the first time, though, that she'd run over something on our way out. What the hell was that? She asked. Did you see it? Barely. I undid my seatbelt and twisted around so I could look out the back window. But we were too far ahead to see anything. Not the thing we'd hit. Not the woman I imagined bolting into the middle of the street to seize it. Not the cars back there with drivers decent enough to stop and help. You can pull into that gas station up there, I said. My mother's eyes were still facing forward, not even shifting up toward the rearview mirror. It was probably just a bag or something, she said. Cars were passing by us, and although I couldn't see them, I could feel their passengers rubbernecking, trying to catch a glimpse of the people who'd hit, whatever we'd hit. What if it was a cat, I asked, or a baby? Do you think they have a lot of babies lying in the middle of the road in the Keys? Her hands were back on the steering wheel, turning it slightly to the left. Her knuckles were white. I can't be here, she said. I need to go. You have to at least see what it was. 
Don't you want to know what it was? I opened the door to get out myself. My foot was six inches from the asphalt when she, gently but surely, pressed on the gas. We didn't mention the hit again. After arriving in Macon the next day, my mother sold her car and hung pictures on the wall for the first time in my life, even though I knew we wouldn't have been found in Alaska or Belize or Halifax. She got a job working reception at a travel agency and didn't leave. I didn't tell my first closest friend about the hit. My mother's post-work sighs became exhausted instead of angry. When I joined the track team and ran faster than any other girl, she never showed up for a single meet. She glanced toward the window every time a police cruiser running sirens drove by. I started to spend every night a week at the houses of friends whose parents made dinner and asked about our days. My mother serially obsessed on every quit-smoking fad and failed them all. Her clothes began to gap at the waist. I could never bring myself to throw away the old AAA tour books. My mother never dated again and didn't make any friends. I finished a year of school and then another and then another and on until I graduated and fled to the West Coast on a track scholarship. In the spring of my junior year of college, my mother asks me for the first time to come home. They found a spot on her lung. We're in the car again. I'm driving her back from the doctor when she tells me she wants me to stay. She, this woman who never did anything for me, wants me to leave school to take care of her. I tell her I can't, I won't. She tells me I'm being selfish and a coward and a possum darts in front of us and I jerk the wheel to avoid it. We're silent for a minute after that. I ask my mother if she remembers the time, eight years ago, when we hit that thing in Florida and she was too afraid to go back and see what it was. She says that I have to be more specific about the thing, and when I tell her I can't, then she remembers. She claims she'd forgotten all about it, that she hasn't thought of it since the night it happened. I find this hard to believe. Wasn't that why, when we finally got to Macon, we stayed? She tells me that I'm wrong. Instead, she tells me something she hadn't forgotten. We stopped in a motel outside Ocala later that same night. I disappeared to the balcony the moment we checked in. She flipped on the TV, wanting to see if the hit and run made the news. When it never did, she knew we were safe, and she put it out of her mind permanently. She was about to turn the TV off when the final story of the broadcast made her pause. The teenage runaway, our teenage runaway, had been found nude in the woods less than five miles from her house. At first she called me in to see, to share in her horror, but I didn't answer. My mother walked to the balcony and peeked around the curtain where she saw me sitting on one of the white plastic chairs, my bare feet on another, my leg pulsing a fast beat. A snuck cigarette burned between my fingers. I was turned away from her, headphones in my ears, watching the planes take off and fly away from there.